You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. What a great day. Thank you so much for joining us at Passion City Church today. We, we call it coming to church. We don't call it watching church. But thank you for coming to church with us today. I'm Pastor Louie, and you're joining us here in Atlanta at one of our locations. And I am sitting with two um, of the most favorite people in Shelley's and my lives. And we are so grateful for them. They are the authors of a new book called Suffer Strong that I'm most certain you've heard about if you're living on planet Earth at the moment. But if not, you'll hear a little bit more about it later, but they have an extraordinary story. But first, I'd like to say happy Mother's Day to you. Well, thank you. This is... Uh, no better place to spend it, so thank you. This is a big day, and uh, Jay and Catherine Wolf live in Atlanta. They're part of our house here at Passion City Church. They're speakers and authors and world changers and hope oh. bringers, and um, they run an amazing camp for people that are struggling with disabilities and families that are walking through disabilities. They, they touch people's lives in such amazing ways. Thank you for being a part of our series. We thought oh. Mother's Day, the glory and the grind, you guys personify all of that in a powerful way. So happy Mother's Day and congratulations because this is a big season for you guys. There was a party and a cake recently. Oh, yeah. We yes. heard shelter in place, but also shelter and cake. That's <laughs> yeah. more our speed. We do a lot of cake. In fact, this is the first time I put on hard pants. So thank you for that opportunity. I don't know how I feel about it yet, but we'll hey, see. We could have cut the shot and we wouldn't even have <laughs> had to have on pants. I mean, that's the, the way this right world works that's right helpful. now. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so um, quarantine life, this is one of the first times we've actually even been in a building. So it's just, it's a lot of emotions. It's overwhelming. But we celebrated a lot of things. My birthday, Catherine's birthday, and, and her second chance birthday, which yeah. was the 12th anniversary of this new life that God sort of allowed her to be birthed into when she survived this catastrophic stroke 12 years ago. So we had a 12th, uh, 12th anniversary celebration with our kids, the four of us, and um, it was great. It was uh, full of cake, full of confetti, which seemed like a great idea in the, the moment, time. but then we realized um, we have to clean up this confetti Oh. And the kids, uh, yeah, we're still finding confetti is the long. You know, for people that it, don't but. know all of your story, I think a snapshot of it on Mother's Day could be a photo. I think is Mother's Day 2008 uh, was your first Mother's yeah, Day, actually. Yeah. And I don't know if we can show this photo, but I, I know we can show this photo and that we will. But uh, this captures a lot of the story. And can you describe what we're looking at in this photo and maybe help us understand where you guys were in life Absolutely, and I have such a love-hate relationship with that photo because I have no memory of that day. Um, so it's really sad, but um, it's beautiful too because I had that photo, I have that memory, um, at least kind of. And yeah, I, I had a massive brainstem stroke out of nowhere, no warning, no symptoms, nothing 12 years ago and spent initially two years relearning to basic function, to eat food, to speak, to stand up. And then another three years in a season of basically surgical situations, 11 surgeries actually, and therapies and sort of regaining life. And then after the initial five years, I kind of came up for air 
Shortly after that, we started coming to Passion Conference and met you guys and really kind of recognized that this is actually what God had for our lives all along, all along. And um, that moment, that first Mother's Day, I don't remember, and my friend put a onesie on Jamesy with a mom on it and Jay Bottom in the room. And I treasure that because you know, it shouldn't have been. Half of my cerebellum was removed. I'm, I'm a miracle. I'm missing part of my brain today. Doctors don't know why I'm alive. And um, it's been a rough road. But um, seven and a half years after the brain rupture, I had a second baby, John. I think we have a picture of that too, that same onesie on that new baby on my first Mother's Day in 2016. Um, when little John is in the picture too. And John and James are doing great. They're here today. James is 12, John is four. And life is going. And you know, Louis, as so many can attest to today and every day, um, there is a very bittersweet nature to life because when John was born, everyone has always been quick to say, not everyone, but what the locusts have eaten has been restored. And yes, but, but James doesn't get a redo of when he was a baby. And I still have haunting memories when I could remember even. And not everything is fully redeemed till heaven. And I just want to speak that out loud today, that not everything is okay, even after the good stuff comes in the end. There is still, until heaven's door, pain and sorrow. And that's how it should be. We're on earth. We are not in heaven. And earth has no sorrow that heaven can't hear. Yeah, heal. Right. I love that song. <laughs> but we're on earth, and there is sorrow, but there is deep joy deep, deep joy in this story, this story of truly glory in the grind. Yeah, you guys use a phrase a lot that I love, hope uh, while you cope. Is that how you say it? Or hope while you cope. Yeah. And I know that obviously there's an arc of suffering in your story. Um, Your book is called Suffer Strong, but there's also an arc of faithfulness in your story. And it's the journey. I mean, I know for now we've been praying for your dad. And uh, your dad has uh, the same cancer that Shelly's dad has. And so our families have been in a similar space. And uh, we've been praying for you guys. You guys have been praying for us. Lots of people have been praying for all of us. But um, talk about that arc of faithfulness because you've been through struggles. Now your dad is in a very difficult season of life. Um, Your grandparents are in their 70s or in their 90s. They've been maybe married married 70 70 years Mm -hmm. in their 90s. And so you guys have got a big arc of life. Tell me how does all of that work in terms of the seasons that you're in? Yeah. I mean, I think during this unique time globally and as humans, um, just the, the, the layers of the experience are deep. And, um, and certainly we've been privileged to, you know, shelter at home and with cake. And yet we've been uh, witnessing the weight of the world 
and the reality of what was always true, dawning on people, some for the first time, you know, and, and yet in our own family, even Catherine's dad is immunocompromised with multiple myeloma cancer. And so, you know, there's this strange experience of not being able to walk with him through that in this really hard season because we just can't even be with him for his health. And so we, we just got to see him the other day in the driveway for a few minutes with masks on. And, you know, it's just, it's an unusual time. And uh, my grandparents, my, my grandmother had a series of strokes in the fall after being healthy her whole life and independent. And she's been married 70 years to my granddad, which is just such a, I mean, that in, a, in and of itself is just a testament for us that, you know, just keep going and persevering uh, in this imperfect relationship that God's given us to, to strive towards that. And, and, and he hadn't left her side this whole time until quarantine. And it's been just a heartbreak for our family to see, you know, this, this end chapter of, of their life and marriage sort of play out in a way they never would have imagined. And so the, the little roommate has a kind of a, a cell phone that she's been playing operator. And so my granddad can just say, I love you every night. And my grandmother doesn't always, isn't tracking fully, but um, his prayer is that um, that she'd get well enough to come home someday. So we're praying that with him. So that there's just, we're all over the place in this season of just the, the experience of our humanity and our losses, but our hopes too. And as Catherine said, to uncover the joy that is there still is sort of the work I think that we're, we're all trying to do. Yeah, Catherine, you said a sentence that, um, whew, uh, a big, big sentence just a minute ago. You said, we discovered... I'll let you say it the way you said it. We discovered that this was what God had in mind for our lives. Yeah. Can you yeah. unpack that a little bit? Because I think there are a lot of people in the world who are looking at both of you right now going, this can't be what God has in mind for you. Of lives. course. There's a girl with a wheelchair on the stage. How could that be okay? In our world, this, this equals not okay. And yet, I... Um, you know, I think I've earned the right to say this, that, you know, you hear a lot, I'm living my best life, I'm living my best life. Well, so am I. I'm living my best life in Atlanta, Georgia on Mother's Day of 2020. And the reality is, so are you. If you have eyes to see it that way, that God, every moment of my entire life, um, was weaving together the perfect story of me to live my life in this chair with a hand that doesn't work and a body that doesn't work and a face that's paralyzed. And no one can say that this is not what is awesome in my story because this is the platform God has given us to use well during our short stay on earth. And I know that's like crazy talk, but I've heard it from a really wise pastor a whole lot, that pain is platform, pain is tremendous platform to say, guys, look, look at what God is doing in my story. And um, I believe, I know actually for sure, that it changes how you feel about your story. When you see this as a story God is writing in your life, every moment is the story that God is writing. You can't help but say, oh, well, I'm in a hard one right now, but this is part of a beautiful story that God is writing. And I don't know what the outcome is yet, but I trust a good God that it's gonna be pretty amazing because that's the only kind of story he can write. 
And I think so many of us are, are figuring out how to pivot in our yeah. life. And, um, you know, I th- I, we don't take a lot of credit for what we did in our story in response to it. I mean, and it took years and it took grief and it took lamenting with a community that I, I can't believe this happened to you. But then the question remains, what are we going to do with it? And I think we, if we did anything right, opened our hands to the story we thought we would have to the life that was in front of us and said, if this is the way, God, we're going to walk in it one day at a time with you. Mm. We don't understand it. We don't get it. Like we can't foresee what you're going to do. We can't foresee even the hardship that's going to still come because sometimes I think we sort of pivot in our life with God and think, okay, now this is going to exempt me from any more hardship. (laughs) I got the wake up call, God, like now let's go this way and we're going to be all good. And I think even about three years ago, it's interesting, this same time of year in 2017, um, Catherine was put in the hospital on the verge of another stroke, totally unrelated to the initial issue she had. She had a, a, a tear in the artery in her neck. They don't even know why that put her on the verge of another catastrophic stroke. And so you think, God, just wouldn't you at least take off the brain stuff from our, from our issues mm-hmm. that we have to maybe have yeah. anxiety or fear about? And again, God's saying, that's not really the point of this. There is this right. practice and this rhythm of obedience and trust that I'm calling you to. And I, and I think even <laughs> my granddad, he's like, he's brokenhearted in this season, but he has lived a life of practiced obedience saying, okay, God, you showed up here. I don't know how, but I think you're gonna show up again in this totally different struggle and this totally different suffering. And I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna open my hands to this life and I'm gonna be all in with my whole heart because I know you've called me here, not just for some you know, random accidental uh, moments for me to waste this breath, but like I, I believe you've called me to, to honor you in this moment. I think some of us, this is our time to recognize I get to practice my obedience and my trust and my gratitude in this season. And in those little practices, when there's those little deaths and those little losses, it, it gears up our hearts and our muscle memory to respond <laughs> that same way when, when the bottom is ripped out from under us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you know, the, the story well. we all kind of have in our minds is, life is gonna be hard, but I'm gonna have faith and I'm gonna pray and God's gonna change things. Right. But the real story of our lives is, life is hard and we do have faith Right. And we do pray, but sometimes God doesn't change the things. He just changes us right. in the things. Mm. And I think that there may be somebody watching today because you know, we're at a big church happening right now today. And they're like, I'm so happy for you, but I don't know if that could happen for me. Right. You talked, Catherine, about if you could see it that way. And it made me think maybe someone is saying, help me take like, what are the first two steps to helping me see it that way? What happened to you when you saw it that way? You know, for the first few months, once I woke up from the coma-like state, it was foggy and I couldn't really come up for air. But once I did at about the six month mark, so six months of reeling, and then kind of waking up to the truth that Everything I've ever known to be true of God in this minute makes somehow me know that this is not a mistake, that I am not a mistake, that God is somehow going to let me hold this and I want to hold it well. And it may be 
a day, a week. I mean, I remember when this first happened, we thought it'd be a couple of years and I'd be walking again. We had no clue what we were in for at all. I remember we, we just, I mean, we thought I'd be eating normally, driving, and none of that's happened, not a thing. And yet there was a sense then, and I guess to all, all the people watching feeling so hopeless, which is a lot of us, a lot of times, that just because God is silent to you, it feels like, doesn't mean he's absent. He is at work so powerfully in our stories. We have eyes to see it. So I guess I woke up to like all of this. All of this is God. This is my part in this story. And I, I'm in. How can I not be? God is so good even when it doesn't feel good. And I refuse to, to, I guess the way to say it is this, we don't have control over what happens in life. We don't, please. But what we do have control over is how we respond to it, how we think about it, how we, how we replay the tape of what happened, how we recognize and remember God in the story, and that changes how we're gonna move forward. And I think we don't do that alone either. I think, you know, especially in this time of isolation and quarantine, it's, we really understand why we need each other. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. wow. I, I mean, our little 12-year-old, he, he, he was just talking some stranger's ear off, you know, at, like the postman. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I hadn't talked to a human in a while. And so that's what we're all <laughs> yeah. feeling, you know? And I think um, for us, we were given that gift and that vision of, of community. And we had planted ourselves in a church and, and done so in a way where we sacrificed a part of our autonomy for the sake of a community. And the body of Christ does this amazing thing when there is a loss and there's a need in the community, it comes up around it and it meets that need. And maybe the most profound need it can meet for you today, if you're suffering and feeling alone, is that the community says, if you can't hope, we're gonna hope for you until you can hope again for yourself. And then you're gonna get to hope for somebody else until they can hope for themselves again. And it is this profound cycle that we don't have to be able to kind of pull ourselves up by the bootstraps with hope. It's not possible a lot of times, it's too foggy. It's, there's too much shock, there's too much disbelief. And so that's why the community uplifts us until we can do it again for ourselves, and we can stand on our own two feet and say, I believe this is true and I'm gonna walk in this way with faith. And so again, we just don't do it alone, it, we, we need we need God, and of course, we need each other. Yeah, I love the way you guys are carrying this message, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but I forgot to say at the top because I was uh, uh, so blown away by the video uh, again. But uh, we want to just give you uh, Jay and Catherine's book today, and uh, obviously, I wish we could give everyone one, but we're giving a lot of people uh, this book today. If you're watching on our Facebook page, you can just say, hey, I'd like to get that, and I don't know how many we have or how many people can get chosen for that, but somebody can. And we just want to get the message into people's hands because we believe so much of the, of the way that you're helping people think. And this isn't just a feel-good, inspirational, hey, we made it you can make it. You guys actually have some science behind what you're learning, which I was pretty blown away by. And I want you to talk about it just for a minute because I think it is really going to help people. I mean, so I, I, um, yeah, but I'm not saying what it is. You can talk about it. But everybody. 
Hi, this is so cool. You've heard of PTSD. No doubt. It is real. I have had a little version of it. Post-traumatic stress disorder is a thing. Legit. However, what you may not know about is called PTG. Hallelujah. Post-traumatic growth. You can actually grow from what you've been through. Not in spite of it, but because of it. You can grow. Take it away. Yeah, so good. Oh. No, I and think, here's and Jay. And now you explain and now this. I, um, no, we, we came across this idea, and it's, it's been studied for about 30 years in psychology, that somebody can go through a trauma, and that it can not just be the end of the way they thought their life and their world and their story would be, but it can be the beginning of something new in their life and the beginning of growth, and not just kind of coming back to their baseline that they were before, but actually going beyond it. And it's certainly not based in Christian philosophy or belief or anything, but I can't imagine really a more powerful way to say that the Christian life offers this post-traumatic growth. We've all been traumatized. We're on a, you know, sort of a spectrum. Uh, we've all suffered. You know, the, the space between what we thought our life was going to be and what it is, is really the space of our suffering, I think. Wow. And for some of us, that's a really big gap. Mm. Yeah. And I think what's powerful, though, is sometimes that we can make that gap uh, come closer together, right? And we can bridge that gap. And I think uh, looking at the life, death, ministry, resurrection of Jesus, is the ultimate post-traumatic growth story. And, I, and if he is the firstborn of this new kind of creation, like it says in Colossians, if in him everything is holding together, like we get to be a part of that. So that when we experience our traumas, whether yeah. they're, they're more minor, maybe in the big scheme of things, or, or profound, we get to say like there is a, there's an opportunity for me to find flourishing, not just in spite of this, but because of it. And I, and I think this is maybe a funny example, but it's Mother's Day. But, um, you know, we, we had our first son, James. It was not part of our plan. We were, I was in law school. Not a great idea to like, let's do law school and have a baby and not be thinking about it. So we've been married a couple years um, and, and we had this world, the two of us. And when that baby came into the world, as beautiful as it was, it exploded that world in a way. <laughs> and that's really what trauma is. Sort of when our, I think when our worlds and our stories are just imploded, but the, the possibility is that we then, the three of us, got to pick up those pieces and build a new world together. And I think that is the hopeful reality on the other side of our trauma. That doesn't mean we just big thumbs up and like slap a Bible verse on our, you know, our devastated life and our traumas and our pains. Like we mourn those, we cry out to God about those, but then we say, this is not gonna be the end of this story. We're gonna build a new world together. You guys are quarantined. You've mentioned that four times now, which is letting me know. (laughs) And the reason why I understand this is because your normal life is a little bit like my normal life, which is Cleveland, Toronto, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Atlanta, New York, Atlanta. And now it's just been Atlanta, Georgia for a while. Uh And so... um, Give us an insight, because this, I, I did a quick survey, and I said, what is it about Jay and Catherine that you don't know that you would like to know? Okay. You know what the number one questions were? How have they raised such amazing kids? And it is Mother's Day today, so how are they shaping these phenomenal two boys, James and John? And what is, um, I know you guys don't do the marriage circuit, and so I'm not going to put you on the spot and turn you into marriage experts, <laughs> but you, you've been pretty successful because you are still together changing the world through what might have torn a lot of people apart. So I would like to know what's, 
the Jay and Catherine Wolf marriage philosophy in a nutshell. And for a lot of people out there, I think, give us some advice. We're, we got a little wonderful bomb just blew up our world. And now we're <laughs> facing a whole new yeah, future. No what do we do? Yeah, um, cool. <laughs> so quarantine has been legit for us, you know, 24 hours a day, the whole family together. And I'm sure I'm not the only person saying it's kind of hard to be all together all the time. And yet, um, I guess as far as raising children, um, we definitely don't have all the answers to that one at all. But um, there is a sense that we have let our little boys be exposed to some of the hard stuff in life, in our lives and in the lives of the people that we advocate for and minister to. And that has opened up a different level of empathy and compassion in them. And in our world today, there is so much sheltering of children and protecting them that we're all really doing our kids a disservice because when they grow up and their lives fall apart, they've honestly never heard of it. They never heard about stuff happening. Um, and that's really silly. We all know too much to not let them in a little. And it grows them, it grows their amygdalas, it helps them be able to stay and show empathy when it's hard. And I would say that's probably one of the things we're doing right. We're doing 10,000 things really wrong. Like, we're not great parents in a lot of ways. But um, our kids are awesome in some ways because they've got Jesus and they are walking through life with him and watching a daddy take care of their mommy. And um, that's profoundly impacting them. James, my 12-year-old, is now tall enough to where he's helping me get in and out of the car and walk into the house. And it's just second nature. He puts his arm out to help me walk. And I just think like those rhythms of his life are profoundly changing who he's going to be as an adult. So, yeah, I mean, as soon as you think you're getting it right, then there's a lot of real good examples of how you didn't get it right. Oh, gosh. No, we, you know, it's, you can't take too much credit or blame, I think, is kind of how you do. You just uh, continue to point them yeah. to Jesus and show them with your life. And I think, um, you know, our boys, we do call John, our four-year-old John, bomb. Just a side note, that's where that came from. He just, <laughs> He's a bomb. He just goes for it and uh, feels life deeply. And yet, um, yeah, I think the other thing, particularly during this time, is we've had to... Um, say sorry a lot. I mean, I, you know, I want to be very real. Um, our, the dynamics are challenging. You know, we're both strong personalities. We're both type A, like we get it done. Uh, we have, but we, but our brains are wired very differently. So I'm like, you know, yeah, that's been, there's been a lot of stress. I can't relate to that at all being I mean, married yeah, to I hope you type A person who likes to get things <laughs> done. And... But I think there's been opportunities to just say, you know, kids, wife, <laughs> I'm sorry, like I, I'm, I messed up and I hope yeah. people forgive me and receive that. And, and half the time what we have to do is just say, there's so much grace. I'm not gonna read into all these nonverbals. I'm not gonna project what I think you mean by that. Maybe we just need to start over. Start over. And we sometimes just say one, two, three, all start together over. now, start over. Wow. And we're gonna leave that in the past because yeah. it's, yeah. it's not going in a, in a good direction. And regarding our marriage, that also I think is part of the, the starting point um, and, and I think for us, you know, our story is interesting. Um, we've always sort of 
positioned our, our story as sort of an allegory, I think, or, or an object lesson or a word picture of everybody's story. And the, the, the details are different, but even when I think about our marriage, you know, we, we all promise when we get married to love and cherish and, and all of these promises, um, a person we don't fully know. <laughs> as much marriage, you know, premarital counseling and time dating, beating around the bush until you actually get married, you, spent, you just don't know and you don't know what a person's future will be. Mm. And Catherine had the AVM, which is what caused her stroke uh, under her wedding veil that day. And I had plenty of stuff in my own head that Catherine didn't know about on our wedding day too. And I think this, um, this possibility wow. to say, you know, this promise isn't just about all the positives, you know, the health and for life and all these beautiful things and in, and in wealth and thriving and flourishing. But I think even more profound are the, is the offering to say, for poor and in sickness and until death and for mm. worse. And somebody said that to you on a day in your life and maybe you didn't even know what that meant. I was 22. I don't even remember our wedding. You know, we watched the video, and it, and that's kind of the, the Ebenezer I have of that. But but somebody said that to you, and those are the words that Jesus says to us. Like I'm not leaving, no matter what. And we get to sort of reflect that in our own really imperfect way to each other. And um, you know that that's the opportunity too. When you roll over and you're like. I don't know who that is in the bed next to me. You know, the kids finally left and like, I, I have no idea who you are. Or we've been through all these different things that have changed us fundamentally as humans, which I think studies say most marriages go through like two or three iterations. And that's just baseline. Mm. Throw in some interesting like <laughs> details and you might have a lot more iterations. And I Our think- global pandemic? Yeah, pandemic, great. Another, let's throw in another thing. I mean, um, there is this, I don't know, this myth that sort of this promise should be this immovable uh, representation of who and what we will always be as people. Mm. And rather, Paul says it's, it's a mystery. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put words around it. And yet, are we willing to lean into that mystery together? Yeah. Am I willing to say, I'm going to learn to love a new person? Right. This isn't necessarily what I signed up for, but it's not necessarily what she signed up for either. And so will we be willing to to again, open our hands from the story we thought to the story that is wow. and make something really, really beautiful together. Incredible. I, I, um, I told you this before, but I love this book. Um, your first book, Hope Heals, obviously was a game changer for a lot of people. And this is your second book. And um, I told you as a friend, you know, man, I, if I were your publisher, which I'm not, um, I would guess a publisher would say, hey, we really love you guys. Is there a way we could not say suffer on the front <laughs> right, of the book? Because no. when people no. are going down the shelves, most of them aren't going, I want to suffer. Yeah, suffer. I'm looking for suffer. And there's also right. a photograph of Catherine in her wheelchair. And right. I wonder if maybe they could say, you know, could we maybe, you know, just sort of... You know, pass by that. I've had seven years in our family of living publicly with a family member that um, needed the assistance of a wheelchair at times. And, you know, it's just an awkward thing going through life. People don't know whether to look or not look. And it's just a thing. And so here you guys are trying to tell people, get our book. It's telling you how to suffer well. <laughs> and right. there's a picture of me in a wheelchair. But come to find out, I think... Pretty much everybody's in a wheelchair. Right. Oh, they are. 
It's invisible for most, but everybody's got a wheelchair, Louie. Invisible wheelchairs abound in all of our stories because we all have brokenness on the inside of us. Some of us have external stuff, but some of us, and me too, those with external also got this, some internal junk happening. We all got bad stuff. But I want to speak to the firstly what you said, because yes, putting suffering at the top of the title of the book was not exactly the publisher's shoe in to success. And I wasn't trying to call your publisher out, by the way. <laughs> I no, was just no. like, you know, observing. No, not at all, not at all. However, it's true. In the book publishing world or in any world, suffering is not the lead story you want to go with. And that published February of 2020. Mm, wow. um, the month before everything went crazy in the world and suffering became a part of the cultural lexicon conversation forefront. And people in wheelchairs. Um, I happen to think there's something very interesting about the cover because a girl in a wheelchair does create some interest, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe not, but I think so. However, what is so cool is the relevance of Suffer Strong in our world. That actually, it's about transforming your mind, not necessarily anything in the external world, because we know with certainty, and I think the world's dying for this, to know that this is light and momentary, and what's unseen is eternal. It has true value, and that beautiful Second Corinthians notion that we will not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day after day. And this deep cry of like, we are hard pressed, but not crushed. And I don't know, everything in our world is saying like, we're not up for this. We can't handle it. We can't do it, you know? And I don't think that's true. We don't think that's true. We read a book about it. Like, yes, when Christ is in you, you can do the hard things. And I actually deeply love the sermon you gave on my birthday of this year. We never talked about this. March 8th, the Sunday before Crazy Town happened, the final Sunday meeting in person, you said that, you know, as Christians, we have told each other we're sinners showing each other, we're beggars showing each other where the bread is right? And sinners saved by grace. And that is absolutely true. But we stop there and we don't say, but now, but now you are in Christ. So you are a beggar. You are a sinner. Absolutely. But now you have the activation inside of you to change where you're going. Your trajectory is different because of Jesus. And like, why is that not spoken and screamed from the rooftops? Like now it's a different deal. The game has changed significantly for you. Great sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I... I think that so many people uh, see life, you know, from a perspective of defeat. And in fact, Jesus is the ultimate story of victory, and he's inviting us into that story, and that's what you're saying today. And I mean, even this whole idea, this notion of the glory and the grind, I mean, he personified that. Here's a, here's a person who was abused, who was forsaken, who was murdered, who was taken advantage of, and yet all in 
all of that was this beautiful tapestry of what God was going to do to change the world. And I love it when it's about Jesus. I'm not as thrilled necessarily sometimes when it's about me. Right. But he invites us into that, not with a, a mindset of defeat, but with a mindset of victory. Like we're not beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. We've been invited to a feast by a king and we Amen. have access to his table right. day by day by day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Luke 14 is... Oh, microphone, hi. Um, this camp that we have, uh, Luke 14, is, the, is sort of that final picture. And I think that's the vision for everybody today, you know, who's longing to go to those, those tables that we, we've come to love as part of our life together, as part of how we commune with each other. But we are invited to this table that is this feast, that is this communion, that we all have a seat at it. We don't have to repay it. We don't have to do anything except take the seat that's been offered us. And that is, I mean, that's the hope. That's going to, you know, I don't know how restaurants are going to work in the future, but I know we have a table that's set before us if we just sit down at it. And, uh, you know, I think of this seat too. And and again, this upending of our life has, has let us see the upside down kingdom in a way we would never get back if we could. It just, it just is. And I know that's not relatable sometimes, but it's just true. We don't want to get to the end of our life and regret that it's over a lot quicker than we thought and we didn't do what we thought we were supposed to do here. And I think that's what suffering and struggle and upending and limitation invites us into this different way of living, this different way of seeing, this invitation. It's not the end, it's an invitation to something totally new, a totally new beginning. Mm-hmm. So that when we look back on our life, we will say, wow, I lived it. Wow. And I'm grateful. I think, you know, the invitation today, I know for, for me, what landed so strongly, what both of you said was, let's just believe we can start again. And I feel like that's such a powerful message for every single person today, no matter where they're coming from, mom, not a mom, single, going through struggle, somebody who's been divorced, somebody who's suffered loss. Let's just believe today that we can begin again. And that whole thing, uh, I know Shelly and I will do that probably today at some point. Three, two, one. Start over. Let's just start over. And let's start fresh and let's believe in each other. And um, Catherine, you have, to me, such a powerful anointing on your life. And you guys are the same person. I think you know that. So when I say Catherine, I mean Jay. And when I say Jay, I mean Catherine, because God has put you in this together. As awesome together. as Louie is, I'm always talking about Shelly when I say Louie. Shout out Shelly, you're awesome. hundred percent. And everybody said amen to that. <laughs> and uh, they went, actually, it is a little more Shelly. But um, you guys have such an extraordinary calling. And I'm not overstating. I'm not trying to hype this up. Shelly and I believe that Um, You have one of, if not the most important voices on planet Earth. And for such a time as this, God has raised you up to bring a message, I believe, that all of humanity is longing for. Because you said it today, the story never turns out the way any of us thought it would. And so thank you for being a, a voice that occupies a space that is so needed. And you do it so powerfully and so beautifully. And Catherine, every time we get to a moment like this and you just pray for people, it is just like a tidal wave of the Spirit of God 
just moving over people's lives. And so I want you to pray for all the people of the world today, yeah. wherever they are in their story, that they'll be able to sense and know this hope, this purpose, this possibility that you're talking about today. Will you do that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I want to say that um, this day's so heavy for so many, for so many reasons. And whether it's just merely the quarantine and quarantine fatigue and homeschooling kids or job loss or loss in the lives of loved ones or the complicated nature of Mother's Day and all the, all the stuff, then it's hard to find many people who avert all those categories right now and they're just doing awesome. I feel like everybody's got some stuff that's hard. And I just, for some reason, keep hearing in my head that passage that we must consider him who endured such opposition so that we ourselves will not grow weary or lose heart. And for some reason, that just pushes me forward, that I will not grow weary or lose heart, and neither do you have to. Don't buy into that lie. You don't have to grow weary. Life is hard, but that doesn't mean you can't handle it. God in you does handle it. And there's a deep truth in that. There is such a comfort, and I'm gonna pray, in knowing that Isaiah 45, three is true. And this is for you, that God gives hidden treasure in secret places so that we may know Him and live differently because of the treasure we get to take hold of and cherish and champion for the rest of our lives. That treasure, and this is a deep comfort, is only available when we are in the deep darkness of our lives. We get to grab it, hold it, and let it inform how we live moving forward. That is special stuff. Don't miss it in the darkness. Get that treasure. You gotta go to the darkness, get the treasure, and let it change you. Father, Lord, let us not miss the treasure you have for us in the darkness. Let us champion it and cherish that stuff every day for our whole lives. And Father, I am not talking about anything in this physical world. The treasure you have for us is you. It is your attributes. It is your comfort. It is the peace that comes in knowing you. It is the joy of the Spirit. It is the deep presence you give us. It is the assurance of what's to come. It has nothing to do with this place, Lord. Give us that deep treasure when we go to the darkness, Father, and let us transform our minds, Lord, so that we choose, even in the midst of everything falling apart, to stay and to grow, to experience a deep PTG, and to know that we, in fact, can experience true glory in the grind of all of our lives, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.